Even though, even though these people, some people didn't know who he was, they were still curious. They knew Jesus was special. They were drawn to him. This is the best part. One of the best parts to me. The people of Jerusalem that knew that Jesus was the Messiah, they were excited to tell the people that didn't know who he was. Did you catch that? The people that knew of the prophecies, they knew that the Messiah would come to save them from sin. They, they knew that the Messiah would come to save them from their sin, from everything that they could be struggling with. The, the people that knew of the Messiah, they knew who Jesus was. They were willing and excited to tell people that didn't. Because everybody was asking. Imagine knowing that that's Messiah and you can say, that's Jesus. He's our Savior. He's the Messiah. He's coming to save you and to save me. They were excited. That's the best part to me. So you might say, Spencer, what does a culture that has rejected Jesus have anything to do with the coming of Jesus in Jerusalem? What does a culture that has rejected Jesus have anything to do with this story? Well, let's unpack that question together. As Christ followers, the celebration of Palm Sunday, which is this Sunday, is a crucial reminder for us to welcome Jesus into our hearts and to be willing to follow him. You can never be reminded of that enough. Welcome to the PC Youth Podcast. As we enter Holy Week, we are looking at the story of Jesus as he walks out the last few days before his death on the cross. Grab your Bibles, turn to Matthew 21, as we hear this week's message from Pastor Spencer. Palm Sunday is this Sunday, like I said. Tonight we're going to talk about Jesus. And we do every week. But how many of you know that Jesus is our Savior? He's a Savior of the world. He's a Savior of you and me. Jesus is our King. He's perfect and mighty, deserving all of our praise. He's the only person to ever live a perfect life, only person to do it. I could, if I can make a bold statement tonight, if this is all right with you, if I can make a bold statement, I would say from people on this earth, from culture today, right now, in this moment in history, Jesus does not receive nearly enough recognition or praise. He does, not, does, he does not receive the praise that he deserves. Jesus does not worship the way he ought to be worshipped. People have turned their backs on Jesus. Culture today has turned their back on Jesus and faith. They have walked away. America is far from where we used to be building our country on biblical foundation. America has turned their back on Jesus. Often in culture, culture today, Jesus is even mocked or ridiculed, and people that follow him are mocked and ridiculed as well. In my opinion, there has never been a time more than now, a time in history more than now, that is more anti-Jesus. That's my opinion. You, you can disagree with me if you want, but I believe strongly that never in history has our society, has our culture been more anti-Jesus. I've been thinking about this a lot, especially with Holy Week approaching so this can sound alarming, this can sound scary, but I think that we are in a very pivotal moment as a city, as a youth group, as a church, as a state, as a country, we're in a very, very pivotal moment. Because like I said, there's a lot of us that are strong in our beliefs and we're strong in our Christianity, we're strong in our relationship with Jesus, but there's a big, big portion that are not. And they need him now more than ever. And I think that this time approaching Holy Week is a great opportunity for us as we've talked about this issue. So let's pray tonight. Dear Jesus, thank you for this evening, God. Thank you for a God-sized dream to, to deliver people out of sex trafficking, 
to be able to bring them wholeness, the only wholeness that you can provide, give them relationship with you, God. Thank you for this dream. God, we're believing in faith right now that you are going to, to stir our hearts, stir the generosity within us to be able to match and be able to meet and exceed the goal that you've placed on our hearts tonight. God, I thank you for, for Holy Week as we approach Palm Sunday and Good Friday and, and Easter, Resurrection Sunday. God, we're believing that lost people are going to find you. We are living in a very hurting, lost world, and God, now more than ever, people need relationship, true relationship with you, and we're excited for what you're going to do in our hearts tonight, what you're going to do to challenge us to bring lost people to your house, and what you're going to do throughout the next few days as we celebrate the coming of your son, the death of our son, and ultimately the resurrection of him. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We come up on Palm Sunday, Good Friday, and Easter. It's crucial that as we do this, a lot of us, I mean, every single one of you have somewhat, to some degree, celebrated Easter. Maybe it looks different every year. Maybe one year it was just an Easter egg hunt, and the other year you went to church. I don't know what your Easter celebration has ever looked like. Mine has been very intentional with my family because I think this is a very, sorry, I almost burped, important time um, as Christians. But it's crucial that as this week approaches that you and I take the time to reflect and to remember the story of Jesus. The story of his entry in Jerusalem, which is what we're going to talk about tonight, his crucifixion and his resurrection. These are very, very pivotal, crucial, foundational beliefs that we hold as Christians. And they're real, they're in the Bible, and I think it's important that we reflect on them as a youth group, but also individually. So this week and next, we're going to spend time in a two-week sermon series called The Savior. This week is called The Savior is Coming because we're going to be talking about him coming to Jerusalem. Next week, the Savior has conquered. We'll talk about Good Friday and Easter, how Jesus conquered sin and death. But we're going to spend time remembering the story of Jesus. We need to be reminded of how privileged we are that he came. That he came to seek and to save the lost. That he came to be the reigning king. We need Jesus and culture need Jesus now more than we ever have. Tonight we're going to look at the account of Jesus through the Gospel of Matthew. I don't know if any of you have watched The Chosen. Um, some of you have. Some of you know what I'm talking about. The Chosen is a TV series that Corey and I actually just started. Um, but it, sh it shows the story of Jesus. And Matthew, the way he's depicted um, in The Chosen, is very, very interesting to me. He's very methodical. He's very detailed, very detail-oriented. And I, I believe that his word tonight, his gospel, his account of Jesus is going to speak to you and me very, very powerfully. Specifically, we're going to start in Matthew 21. We're going to unpack the story of Jesus triumphantly entering into Jerusalem, which is, if you didn't know the reason we celebrate Palm Sunday, it was triumphant. It was much, it had much reason to celebrate. And up until this point, it's important for us to set the stage here. There, up until this point, there had been a lot of talk of the Messiah coming in Jerusalem. There had been a lot of talk of the Messiah coming. The people that knew of the prophecies in the Old Testament knew that the Messiah would come and what he was going to do. The people were eagerly waiting his arrival. All the anticipation led up to this moment. They knew the prophecy of the Savior. We will be reminded of how important it is as we unpack this scripture, how important it is for us to constantly remember who Jesus was and who he still is today. Okay, open up your Bibles to Matthew 21 with me tonight. We're going to start in verse 1. I have my glasses today so I can read. It's going to be good. Last week I didn't, or maybe two weeks ago I didn't have my glasses. Are you there, Matthew 21? On the Instagram post today we said, bring a friend and bring your Bible. Did any of you see that today? Yeah, okay, you got your Bible. Good job, Dominic. 
Who's got their Bible? Show it to me. Show it to me. Matthew 21, verse 1, it says this. As Jesus and the disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the town of Beth, Bethphage on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of them on ahead, and he said, Go into the village over there. He said, As soon as you enter, enter it, you will see a donkey tied there with its colt beside it. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone asks what you're doing, just say, The Lord needs them, and he will immediately let you take them. So for those of you that don't know the story, I'm really excited to be able to unpack it together. A lot of you do know this story, but don't tune out because it's going to speak to something new to us tonight. But for those of you that don't know this story, you're, you're thinking to yourself, Spencer, you said that Jesus' entry was triumphant. It was reason to celebrate. Why does he want to ride in on a donkey? That doesn't seem triumphant at all to me. Spencer, what, what, is, how, what is riding in on a donkey and a colt have to do with being a triumphant king? Well, let's keep reading. Verse 4. This took place, the riding in of Jesus on a donkey took place to fulfill the prophecy that said, Tell the people of Jerusalem, look, your king is coming to you. He is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a colt, donkey's colt. Immediately, we need to look at the example of Jesus. Right off the bat, we need to look at the example of Jesus that he set in this passage. He showed no desire to bring the glory to him. It would have been really easy for Jesus to, to get some extravagant form of entry and ride in that way because he was the king. And nobody would have questioned him if he did that. He's a son of God, the king of the heavens and the earth. He would have had all the reason in the world to, to enter Jerusalem in some, some extravagant way. But he asked for his disciples to go get him a donkey so that he could ride in on a donkey's back. What a picture of humility. And we have an example to follow. All throughout Scripture, Jesus is an example for you and for me, especially as Christ followers. We have an example to follow after Jesus. None of us will be nearly as close to perfect as he was. But if it's our desire, if it's the desire of our hearts to be more and more like him, it's our duty to follow the example that he set. What's interesting to me is Jerusalem was a place where Jesus knew people were waiting for him. He knew that people were expecting him to arrive. He knew that there was anticipation upon his arrival, and he still chose to ride a donkey into Jerusalem. It was prophesied years before that this Jesus would enter Jerusalem in this way. The thing that made his entrance maybe not seem actually triumphant was the actual thing that made his entrance into Jerusalem so, so powerful. It was not about him. Jesus was yielded to his heavenly Father, completing the instructions that God had told him to do. We must, as Christians tonight, constantly strive to be humble and yielded to our Heavenly Father, just as Jesus was in this passage. We must constantly strive to be humble and yielded to God, just as Jesus was. We have so much to learn from the teachings of Jesus and the life of Jesus. Go to verse 6. The two disciples did just as Jesus commanded. They brought the donkey and the colt to him and threw their garments over the colt, and he sat on it. Most of the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. That's where we get Palm Sunday. They were all palm branches. Jesus was in the center of the, of the procession, and the people all around him were shouting, Praise God for the Son of David. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in the highest heaven. So now let's look at the perspective of the crowd. We, we have a lot to learn from the life of Jesus and the way that he entered in this moment. But now let's look at how the crowd reacted. 
Immediately they praised him. Immediately the crowd, the city of Jerusalem, stopped what they were doing because they knew the Messiah was coming, and they stopped and they praised. And they said, praise God for the Son of David. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in the highest heaven. They gave honor where honor was due. They gave praise and worship where praise and worship were due. As Christians, we have an example to, to follow of the crowd as well because we must constantly be lifting up a praise of worship to Jesus, thanking him for the Savior that he is, thanking him for loving us, thanking him for all that he has done in all of our lives. The Messiah had arrived in this passage and the people knew it. The thing they had been waiting for for so long, the person they had been waiting for for so long was there. And they were worshiping his name, saying praise to the one that comes in the name of the Lord. Verses 10 and 11 says, The entire city of Jerusalem was in uproar as he entered. Who is this, they asked. And the crowds replied, It's Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth to Galilee. This was interesting to me as I was preparing. Notice how in verse 10 it says, The entire city of Jerusalem was in uproar. Other translations say the city was stirred up, asking who he was. It didn't say half of the city. It didn't say a quarter of the city. It didn't say those who believed. It said the entire city was in uproar, wondering who this man was. And it says they said, this is Jesus from Nazareth. These people were curious about who this man was. The people that didn't know of the prophecies of the Messiah, they didn't know that he was the Messiah, they were still curious. They're still curious about who Jesus was and why he was here and why people were so excited. They were aware of the presence that Jesus brought with him. The people, even though they didn't know him, were aware of the presence, the power that came with Jesus. The presence that surrounded him. It was clear that he was important, but it was more clear that he was holy. And they were asking, who is this man? Why, why are you so enamored with him? Who is it? And they would say, Jesus from Nazareth. This shows so clearly how the presence of God was evident and how it's real and it's still real today. If the entire city, think of the entire city of Jerusalem, he entered on one street. The whole word got out that he was here and everybody was talking about it. Could you imagine the scene? We, we tried to play a video that somehow depicted it, but we'll never be able to capture that moment perfectly. But could you imagine Jesus walking in on a donkey humbly and, and in humility and people still saying, who is this man? Why, why are we so excited about him? And the people that knew who he was said, this is Jesus from Nazareth. Even though, even though these people, some people didn't know who he was, they were still curious. They knew Jesus was special. They were drawn to him. This is the best part. One of the best parts to me. The people of Jerusalem that knew that Jesus was the Messiah they were excited to tell the people that didn't know who he was. Did you catch that? The people that knew of the prophecies, they knew that the Messiah would come to save them from sin. They, they knew that the Messiah would come to save them from, their sin, from everything that they could be struggling with. The, the people that knew of the Messiah, they knew who Jesus was. They were willing and excited to tell people that didn't. Because everybody was asking Imagine knowing that that's Messiah, and you can say, that's Jesus. He's our Savior. He's the Messiah. He's coming to save you and to save me. They were excited. That's the best part to me. 
So you might say, Spencer, what does a culture that has rejected Jesus have anything to do with the coming of Jesus in Jerusalem? What does a culture that has rejected Jesus have anything to do with this story? Well, let's unpack that question together. As Christ followers, the celebration of Palm Sunday, which is this Sunday, is a crucial reminder for us to welcome Jesus into our hearts and to be willing to follow him. You can never be reminded of that enough. Think back to the time when you accepted Jesus and you welcomed him into your heart and you said, Jesus, I will follow you for the rest of my days. You can never be reminded and think about that and reflect about that enough. But there's a large portion of this world that has not yet heard the, new, the truth of Jesus, the good news of Jesus. They haven't made the decision for themselves. And that portion of this world is culture today, the society that has rejected, that has turned their back on him. There's a large portion of people that would not know this story. Take example from the people in Jerusalem, exalting his name, declaring who he is and sharing it with the entire city. They were excited to share who he was. As Christians, it is our duty to follow, praise, honor, and proclaim the name of Jesus while still telling everyone that doesn't yet know who he is. There's a large portion of people that maybe it's not even their fault that they don't know this. They just haven't had the opportunity to hear. And what a good time approaching Holy Week to share this with them. Did you know that this is the time in history when the Messiah came and, and he, for a week, he came on Palm Sunday and on Good Friday, he actually died for your sins to save you. And then actually, but the story doesn't stop there. Three days later, he was resurrected and he's alive today and he's living what a great time to be able to tell people about that. It's not either or, it's both and. It's not just our duty to follow, praise, and honor, and proclaim his name. Yes, that's our job. It's not just tell everybody who he is. If you, if you just tell everybody who he, who he is but have no respect for him, you're missing it. If you're just proclaiming his name and worshiping, that's great. And you're not telling people about him, you're still missing it. It's not either or, it's not praise, just praise or just tell and share, it's both and. It's our duty to proclaim, to follow, to praise, to honor Jesus and still tell people about him. This is a time of year where people are curious about faith. So many statistics show that around the time of Resurrection Sunday, Good Friday and Palm Sunday, more non-believing people, non-Christian people in society are curious about faith and what it means and who Jesus is. If people are already curious, you have a great end to tell them. If people are already curious about who this man is, who the Messiah is, who the Savior is, they're going to ask you anyway, so tell them who he is and tell them what he's done for you. Remember the power of Jesus. Apply it to own, your own life, but remind people as well, other people as well. Holy Week is a special time for Christians. And this is a really straight up message tonight. There's not much glitz and glamour. But Holy Week is a very special time for those in the room that call yourself a, a Christ follower. It's time for, for you to reflect in your own life what Jesus has done for you. But what an opportunity for us to be able to be great witnesses for Jesus. Remember what Jesus did. Remember his entrance. We just did. We reflected on it. We're still going to reflect on it. Remember the pain and suffering that he experienced for you. Remember the fact that he resurrected and that he's alive. He's not this dead person that we devote our lives to. We devote our lives to someone who's alive in heaven, sitting at the right hand of the Father. We're going to talk about all that next week. But right now, I have a few questions. And worship team, you can come. I know it was quick.
But right now I have a few questions for us. I'm not asking these questions tonight assuming that you're going to answer them perfectly or you have all the right answers. These questions are here to challenge me and here to challenge you as we enter these next few days. Because we've already set the stage. This is an important week. Not only in the calendar year, but in the lives of people that are lost and the lives that are people are saved. So the questions are, how, are you, how willing are you, just as the people in Jerusalem did, to constantly praise the name of Jesus? How willing are you to set everything aside and to constantly praise him? Praise him in the way you live. Praise him in the way you worship. Praise him in the way you speak. Praise him in the relationships you have. Praise him in every aspect of your life. How willing are you? Don't answer them out loud, obviously, but think about them in your head. How willing are you to set everything else aside, just as the city of Jerusalem did, and let Jesus enter and move in your life? How willing are you to give him full access How willing are you to give him full access to the, to the things that you think you could figure out on your own? Deep down, you know you can't. The people in Jerusalem were ready for the Messiah because they knew they needed him. They knew that they were lost without him. We have it really good because we live on the opposite, the other side of this story. We're living in the promise of the gospel right now. So it could be easy for you to think that you got it all figured out and you can do it by yourself but my question is, how willing are you to actually let Jesus have full access to your heart tonight? Even as Christians, I'm not telling you it's going to be easy. It's, it's hard to set aside your own agenda and to live completely devoted to him. It is. But let the, the desperation of the people in Jerusalem be a challenge for you tonight. How often do you sit down and intentionally remember the power of Jesus? How often do you sit down and intentionally remember and reflect on who Jesus is? The fact that he came to seek and to save the lost. That he came to bring light to a dark world. How often do you remember that he came to bear witness to truth? How often do you remember that he came to destroy the devil and his works? How often do you remember that he came to, get, he came to give eternal life, to, destroy tru to demonstrate true humil humility? How often do you remember that he came to fulfill the law and the prophets, to reveal God's love for sinners? How often do you remember that Jesus came to reign as king? How often do you sit back and, re and remember and reflect? How often do you intentionally choose to remember these things about Jesus? Jesus' entry in Jerusalem represented all of this because the people knew. They knew who he was. They knew these things about him. They knew that the prophecy said that he would come to set the world free. They were waiting. You and I tonight, saved or not, Christian or not Christian. It's important that we remember who Jesus was and still is today. And Palm Sunday is such a good time to start that reflection. Maybe you've actually never sat down and said, Jesus, thank you for coming to fulfill the law that the prophet said. Jesus, thank you for coming to, I'm, I wouldn't really consider myself, myself a lost person, but Jesus, thank you for coming to seek and to save the lost. You didn't just come for the rich. You came for the hurting. How many times have you done that? He wasn't just some historical figure. The argument to this would be Jesus was just some prophet. He was just some historical figure. He actually has no meaning today. 
I can assure you that that argument is not true. Because the power of Jesus is evident in my life today. It's evident in a lot of your lives today. Jesus was not some historical figure. He is the Son of God, the Messiah, the everlasting King. He is our Savior, and He's coming. Imagine, try to the best of your ability, imagine being in Jerusalem, someone residing in Jerusalem at this time, and maybe it's Friday before Palm Sunday. And you know that you need someone to come and to save you because at this time, before Jesus had died on the cross for you and for me, you had to live by the law perfectly to be saved. And it was hard. But the people in this time, think about how, how desperate they were for somebody to, to save them. And to be able to see him for the first time, he walks in on a donkey and you think to yourself, that's the person I've been waiting for, yes, because he is humble, he is loving, he is not about himself, he is yielded to his heavenly father. And you might think to yourself as you're watching this happen, look at the example. Look at who's coming to save me. That's not who I pictured it at all, but that is the Messiah. A lot of people in this time thought that, the, that Jesus would come and be this great military leader and that he would leave them against, lead them against the Romans and do all these things. Jesus came humble. Jesus came for the broken. Right after this passage, he goes into the temple and he heals the blind and the lame. He doesn't go and, and have a big feast with all the rich people in Jerusalem. He goes to where people are hurting and he heals them. And if you keep reading, the, the kids in Jerusalem start exalting his name and the, and the leaders in Jerusalem were indignant and they were like, why are these kids worshiping Jesus like this? And he said, actually, no, let them come. I love the children. He wasn't for the one that had it all figured out. He was one for the one. He was there for the one that knew they couldn't do it by themselves. He came for the person, for the individual that was lost. And let me remind you tonight, that's every single one of us in this room. So yes, he came back in this time for the world, but that's not just present world in that time. That's world for eternity. He came for you and for me. Let us remember, let us reflect, because you and I didn't deserve for him to come, but he still did. We didn't deserve a perfect savior, but he still came. And the best part is next week, we're gonna dive into the fact that he died for us. That doesn't sound like a great thing, but he died for our sin. And then on top of it, the story didn't end, he rose again. This is the best week. And one more question. As you've reflected on these things, and maybe you're doing it right now for the first time, but as you reflect on these things in your, in your own life, how often, how many times have you told others about these things, about who Jesus is, what he came to do, how many times? Because people are curious, people are longing. 
just as they were in, the, in this time. People are longing, lost people are longing for something greater than themselves. Even if they don't realize it's Jesus, they are longing for a savior. And that's why we see all across our world, people indulge in the things that are not of God because they think that's what's gonna save them, but it's actually not. What if you telling your friend at school about Jesus and what he did was gonna alter their life forever? What if? Well, I'm here to tell you that you doing that could actually alter their life for eternity, for literal eternity. It is our job to the Christians in, our, in the room tonight, it is you and me's job to tell people about the one who came to save. It is our job to remember and reflect, yes, just as we're doing, but also to share. It is our duty. We must bring Jesus back into the equation because he's not in it anymore. If we look at culture right now, he is not in the equation and he must be back at the center of all we do. Let it start here, please, let it start here. Let this be a place where students can feel equipped and empowered and emboldened and strengthened to go. And to say, you're not living like Jesus has called you to, that's okay, he will save you from his sins, but do you know there's a better option? It doesn't just have to be me and all your leaders telling you this, you can tell people too, I promise. Let this not just be a place that we come and feel comfortable. Let this be a place that we come on Wednesdays and Sundays where we leave challenged and maybe even a little bit stressed out because we don't know how we're gonna tell people. Well, did you know that Jesus gives you the power and the strength and the Holy Spirit will go before you and he'll give you the strength to not keep your faith to yourself, but to share it with everyone. How many times? Have we done this? Spend this, holy, this, this season of Holy Week. Let it, if it's not been something that you've done your whole life, if you haven't spent time remembering and reflecting on what Jesus did, let this season, let this week, Holy Week, be the start of it. Where you intentionally remember and reflect on what Jesus did, who he was, what he came to do, and what he's done in your life. Let it start now. Thank your heavenly Father for sending Jesus to be an example. Thank Jesus for the power that he displayed. Thank him for his saving grace. This is a week of joy and thanksgiving because we didn't deserve what this week is about. But the Savior is coming. He came in Jerusalem and let me tell you, he's gonna come back again to save this world from all of the evil that we see. I'm so excited to see and meet Jesus face to face. Remember, reflect, be ready for that. Just as the people in Jerusalem were ready for him to come in real life, be ready, be eager, anticipate for the coming of Jesus where you, you will meet him in real life because there will be a day. Jesus came to Jerusalem to fulfill the command of his father. And you know what's crazy? The whole time, he had you and me in mind. God knew that he would have to sacrifice his son 
so that you and me could live, all of us could live. He knew that he'd have to. And Jesus was being obedient, yielded to his heavenly father saying, yes, I will die so they can live. He rode into Jerusalem with you and me in mind. He got on the cross with you and me in mind because he loves, because he cares, because he's gracious. He's not just for the wealthy. He's not just for the rich. He's not just for the put together. He's for the broken. He's for the lost. He came to die for you and for me. When he rode into Jerusalem, he knew that five days later he would die. He knew. He was being obedient to fulfill the desires of his father. As you remember and reflect during this time, ask God to give you the ability to be obedient, to share. Because the Great Commission tells us at the end of Matthew, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's our duty, it's our job as Christians to share. Ask God to give you the strength to be obedient to do so. I want you to stand with me in this place tonight. We're almost done. But as you do, I want you to think about your friends at school, your friends at the gym, your friends at wherever you go during the week, the people that you're close to. Maybe it's someone that's not even your friend and you know they're hurting, you know they're broken. Think about the person that you know is lost. Think about the person that doesn't know these stories, that doesn't know what Jesus did. Think about them right now. And as you do, I want you to carefully, without distracting anybody, take out your phone and go to your notes app right now. Take out your phone and go to the, the notes app on your phone. You all have it. If you don't have your phone, write it in your Bible, write it on a piece of paper. Make a checklist. Make a list of these names, of these people that you are thinking about, of these people that you are thinking about that need to know Jesus but don't, of the people that you know are broken and you know that Jesus came to save them. Think about the person that you see at school every single day and you ignore because they're too far gone. Remember that Jesus came for that person too. Put them on the list. Maybe your list is one. Maybe your list is five. Maybe your list is 10. I don't care how big or small every person that you are writing down is important to Jesus, is important to God, and I want to see them in heaven someday. And don't tell me, oh Spencer, all the people I know are saved. There is a boatload of people that need to know Jesus. There's no shortage of hurting. This list that you are making is your goal for the next few weeks. The next week, actually. It is your goal to see this checklist and to say, I know this person is lost. They're coming to church on Palm Sunday. I know this person is lost. They're coming to Good Friday service. I know this person is lost, but I want them to come to youth group next week. This person is lost, but they're going to come to Resurrection Sunday Easter service with me. Make the list so that you can have them be in the presence of God and understand what Jesus did for them. This is not a list to get more people to come to youth group. This is not a list that we're making to get more people to come to church on Sunday. This is a list that we are making to see more names in the book of life. This is a list we are making to see more people in eternity. This list that you are making has real implication because maybe you, you're thinking of someone right now and you're like, actually, I don't know. They don't need to go on my list. If you're thinking that, they probably do because they need to know who Jesus is. 
and your obedience to follow this list has real implications as well because what if nobody invites them to church this Easter season? What if you and saying, hey, will you come to youth group with me next week? Will you come to Resurrection Sunday with me on Sunday? What if that small invitation could change their life for the sake of eternity, literally? It doesn't take us to save people. It's not our job to save people. It's our job to share what Jesus did, and Jesus will save people. So bring them into the house of God so that they can experience the presence of the Lord, so that they can experience and hear about the good news, the stories that we just shared. Take ownership. We're about to worship. And as we do, I want you to lift these names up to the Lord. Pray that you would have favor in these relationships. Pray that you would have situations that God would give you to where it's easy to ask them, to invite them, because they're already asking you. We already said that they're curious. People are curious about Jesus around this time. So pray that God would give you the words, give you the strength, give you the boldness to go and to even be uncomfortable to say, hey, I know it might not be your thing, but will you come to church with me on Sunday? I believe that God has something special for you. To stay caught up with everything happening, check us out at peopleschurch.com as well as on Instagram at PC Youth Salem.